0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 78. It is February 15th. Yes, I am a little late on a podcast. I get into it. Why? I didn't get a podcast out this week on this podcast. This podcast actually runs a little long, uh, but I feel like I got into some good points. I got on my soapbox. I started ranting. Yeah, I had half a cup of fucking coffee, and I'm feeling it. So, I uh, hope you guys love the podcast. A few shout-outs I want to give out. Progressive Martial Arts in Grand Forks, North Dakota. If you guys haven't been in there to meet with Ken and Josh and Lucas and all the guys that train there, all the girls that train there uh, for jiu-jitsu classes, for conditioning classes, they got some striking stuff going on. Huge shout-out to 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 Powder. Jeremy, you're going to fight here pretty soon. Uh, they got MMA fighters, and it is it is a great place, a great, a positive support structure, uh, they'll lift you up. Like a lot of people are intimidated walking into a gym, feeling like they're gonna get uh, beat up or they're gonna put you through the ringer and it's not even like that. Your first classes, a lot of times, you just sit and watch other people. You, they'll pull you aside and they'll do a little beginner's thing with you and, and show you the beginning steps and not even let you go live with other people because when you first do it, it is, it is it's intense because you're scared the other person's going to hurt you. You think you're in some crazy fight when eventually, when you learn that it's not a fight, that it is actually just two people flowing together, yeah, to choke them, to choke each other, to arm bar each other, to, to joint lock each other. But when you, when you learn the control of it, one, you learn to not, to not waste a whole bunch of energy. You also learn that it is a martial art, that there's an art behind it, and it, it is... I can't even explain it. It is a euphoric feeling that you get. So, I can't I, I can't push martial arts enough on everybody and I know it's not for everybody. You can get into anything, anything that makes you feel that feeling, that flow state that, you know, that positive place where you can go while doing it and and feel better about yourself get out, try something different, you know, get out of your comfort zone and jujitsu will definitely get you out of your comfort zone. Uh, you don't have to do it because you want to fight people. You don't have to do it because you want to be a mixed martial artist and get in a cage. Uh, you don't have to do it for self-defense, but in, in, in the end, it gives you self-defense. You never know when you might need it to defend yourself or your family, you know, and everybody's like, oh, I got a gun for that. You might not have your gun on you when you need it most, you know, Get in there, try it out. With that being said, Map Fitness Megan out there uh, by the new Walmart, also in Grand Forks, has an amazing gym. She's getting every week. She gets some new equipment for you guys to go and use, and she got these really cool. Uh, I think Omni brand Olympic weights. They they're color coded, and she's got Rogue equipment, which makes a ton of CrossFit stuff. And their equipment is amazing. She's got bodybuilding stuff. Uh, they got a strongman shit. They got those giant rocks you can lift up. You name it, she has it there. Uh, All the weightlifting stuff, all the machines, uh, treadmills, uh, Peloton stuff, uh, which I don't know if she lets everybody use her Peloton stuff, but she's got it at the gym. Get there, talk to her. A fucking MMA cage? Are you serious? How many people have an MMA cage in their gym? Matt's on the floor to do some yoga, some stretching, uh, some jujitsu, some grappling, heavy bags to punch. If you've never done it before, grab some gloves out of the box there. You don't have to have your own gloves. She has them for you. Grab them out of the box. Hit that damn bag. Imagine it's your husband pissing you off. Imagine it's your boss pissing you off. Get that freaking negative energy out. It's amazing. It's a great way to do it. And guess what? While you're there, I bet you Victor Ramirez will see you doing it. He'll walk up and be like, hey, let me show you some stuff. Roman might be there. Some fighters will walk up and be like, hey, do you, let me show you how to do it. You know, They'll give you a little technique, give you some, some pointers. Don't even be scared of them. They're amazing people. Get in there and watch the MMA fighters fucking punch each other. It's like a free fight. You get free fights to watch Mana and, and, and Jesse and all these other dudes beat the crap out of each other. You know, and, 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 and you might realize like it's not as violent and as crazy as you think because they're controlling while they're doing it. They're not trying to hurt each other while they're hurting each other. It is such a cool place, a cool atmosphere to be. 24-7, you get a key card, you get in. It's not Planet Fitness. You can take your shirt off. You can bring your dog. You can grunt. You can yell. You can sing. You can do whatever you want. Get out, check out Map Fitness for real. Also, if you're in Fargo, there's another place that does jiu-jitsu and fighting, and they got a full cage too. Academy of Combat Arts, Dylan and the boys will will just suck you in and make you feel like a new person, and they will teach you some shit. They got a, oh, they got girls' classes, kids' classes. Oh, man, they got it all. I'm jealous sometimes. I wish I lived in Fargo, and the people down there that, that live there, they might take it for granted, but man, get into Academy of Combat Arts, talk to Dylan, talk to the guys there, the girls there, and, and get into some classes, and I'm telling you guys, you'll feel better about yourself, so... Uh enjoy the podcast. Uh later. Hey, what's up hey, everybody? What is going on, everybody? What's going on, everybody? What up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Dave Cast. Welcome back to the Dave Cast. The Dave Cast. To the Dave Cast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening. Man, I cannot get a point across to save my life today, you guys. I'm getting emotional. Stop getting emotional, Dave. Listen to me, you guys. I'm out of control. So welcome to the Dave Cast. I'm gonna be your host, Dave Helmbrett. This was the first podcast. I hope you guys liked it. I love you guys and thank you so much. Love you guys listening. later. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, it is time for me to talk about week four. I owe you guys a podcast. I am almost a week late. Uh, A lot's been going on. Well, not a lot, but I'm still in treatment here in St. Cloud. Uh, I'm out of here on February 27th, so I got a couple weeks left. And uh, I was supposed to talk about week four on the podcast, but we're going to kind of cover week four and five. Uh, They kind of all blend together. Everything's kind of blended together since I've been here. And it has been a very positive uh, experience for me it also has been a very a neg not negative but very deep digging up a lot of crazy shit that i've i've suppressed over the years that i haven't wanted to talk about that i've denied about myself that i don't want to that i didn't want to even think about because i feel like uh, a lot of that stuff it can it, it damage it, can, it feels like it's more damaging but it's not you got to scrape open some old wounds to dig down and find out why. Why do I have certain behaviors? And the way to f- the way to really dig down and figure that stuff out is you have to understand the emotions, the feelings behind those those behaviors. Why do you do the things you do? Why do you act the way you act? You can't. You can just settle and be like, "That's all I am. I'm just a spazzy, crazy." guy with addiction and impulse control problems, but I don't want to be that guy. What happens one day when I'm down and the impulse control makes me do some crazy risky behavior that gets me killed, somebody else killed, me hurt, me put in jail. Uh, I got to figure it out and I got to become a better person uh, because of who I am deep down inside. Yeah, so that's what I got to do. Uh, This week, the last couple weeks, my neck uh, has been bugging me, Um, some shoulder pain, some back pain. Uh, I played volleyball a couple nights and then I took a couple nights off. I really been, there's been some ups and downs and the reason I didn't put out a podcast is I've been feeling down. I don't know if that's because we've been digging into uh, my psyche and figuring out why I am the way I am. And it kind of hurts sometimes, you know? You're kind of like, dang, like I'm here to try to be, to feel like a better person, to not hate myself like I do. And I do, I do hate myself at times, and I need to get over that shit and move on, but easier said than done. And the only way to do that is to dig into my psyche, uh, pick out the traumas, like where, when did things start bad, you know what I mean? Mom leaving when I was young, uh, her being replaced by a stepmother who didn't show love like most people do. Uh, you know, a father who sat back and uh, let some things happen when you were a kid that you wish he would have had your back more, you know, and, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know what my stepmother was dealing with at the time, you know, I'm just using this as an example, but, you know, she had a rough life. She grew up in a, in a home where there was addiction and abusive issues, you know, she, things weren't easy for her either. And now I'm seeing that trying to mix, uh, mix families, after divorce, after separations, it it can be hard. It's not easy at all. I think it's one of the most complicated things to do is try to show love to somebody else's kids equally to the the love you show your own kids and it's damn near impossible. Uh, You just have a connection with your own kids more than you'll have a connection with anybody else. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think some people become amazing step-parents and they, they embrace it, and they do try to show the best love for everyone that they can, but other times people fail at it, and nobody's taught them. Nobody's taught them how to be a good step-parent. I I need to forgive Wanda for for that stuff, and I do. I really do, and it sucks that she's gone. I wish they could, I, I had some good talks with her before she, uh, before she passed away in 2009. I wish she was still here and I could sit down with her and, and really forgive her for, for what I felt she did to me, uh, my sisters and stuff growing up. And and uh, it wasn't her fault. You know what I'm saying? Uh, she did amazing. I, I do feel like she loved me and my sister and Joe and and everybody, you know, but I just think her way of showing it was kind of different. Uh, she dealt with a lot of her own demons and, you know, people didn't, didn't reach out for help back then. You know, the, we didn't go to family counseling shit. I didn't even see a dentist till I joined the military, you know. So, uh, you know, growing up. But that stuff affects you so much. And you don't realize it until you really dig in, look back and talk to people who specialize or talk to people who are well-educated on on psychology, sociology, and and shit like that. So, and I'm getting all that stuff here. Finding out mommy issues is a big part of my problem. Uh, Me and my brother Richie wanted to start a podcast and call it Mommy Issues. And the biggest thing about that is we don't want to tear down our mother, uh, our step-parents, uh, and other people because they. we don't know exactly what they were going through. We don't understand the struggles of what other people are going through. So take that advice and take it into your own life, your own thinking. The people who who you hate maybe because you, you feel like they did you wrong, put yourself in their shoes, humanize it a little bit, and, and we get into that a lot here as veterans because... A lot of us, are, you know, or like even to this day, we're out of the military. But like I hear a lot of people talk about, they see a Muslim person or someone who looks Muslim, and or Arabic, and they're scared of them, or they get triggered as soon as they see them, and you know because they they fought Muslims, we we were in firefights, we shot and killed Muslims uh, who were trying to kill us, and you got to humanize it where you were like if you were born in a different place in a different time even in a different religion and different culture, you might've been on the other side shooting at Americans and you were doing it thinking you were the good guy. You were doing it thinking you were helping your cause in your country. It's a lot of times it's tough to think that way. And I had a problem with it for a little while, but I don't know, I feel like maybe I'm a little more open-minded and, and, and think, think deeply about things where I thought about that. I was like, man, these guys, they're just doing what we're doing, maybe with a different belief and a different culture, but I try to use an example of, imagine here we are in the United States and China comes here to help us uh, because the KKK, I and mean, this is gonna be a crazy example, all an example, but let's say the KKK rises up and they start trying to enslave black people again and we're trying to fight them and we'd kill them right away. We'd, we'd, we'd stomp it in the dirt because we're powerful. But imagine our country wasn't powerful. Imagine we don't have the armies we have and the people we have and the power we have to stop them and we need help. So here comes the China, here comes China to help us. And they come in and they're marching all over our streets. And while they're trying to take out the KKK, they accidentally kill Americans because their bombs blow up, killing some of the KKK, but also killing the neighbors who weren't KKK. And now you're like, are the Chinese people really helping us? They killed my uncle and my aunt, you know, and, and they murdered a bunch of children uh, all you know, and they say it's all in the name of, of helping us. And some of us are going to get angry at that, and we're going to grow up with this resentment towards the Chinese for trying to help us. And we might start planting roadside bombs as they go marching and driving by. We might start throwing grenades at them or shooting at them for what they think is no reason. But it's you know, it's it's that's a crazy idea. But I hope it helps you guys understand a little bit uh, the humanizing of things. And how lucky we are to be in a country we are where we don't have to deal with that. So imagine living in Iraq and all of a sudden here's all these American soldiers marching and running around. And don't get me wrong, when I was in Iraq, a lot of those people, you know, to our faces seemed like they loved us, uh, seemed like they wanted us there. They saw the help that we were doing. But also... Some of those people, you know, their families were killed by drone strikes that went wrong or bombings that went wrong or or in a firefight, there's civilian casualties and all they see is Americans killed them and they get angry at us and they start these little militias that want to fight back and don't, dude, we would do that so quick in America if another country came here to help us and there was like, and they were, they started killing civilians. Like, wouldn't we be like, bro, we got to step up and get these guys out of our country and fight back just a real quick uh, way of humanizing it. This is what it's called. So crazy stuff. I know, right? Still doing a lot of CBT. I love CBT. Cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy uh, goes into our core beliefs and how trauma has changed those core beliefs. Uh, How you might grow up in a really religious household and you have these core beliefs of you know, not killing people, (laughs) that's a super one, but don't murder, don't lie, don't do all these things. And, uh, you know, you might get some crazy trauma in your life that makes you start second guessing your core beliefs. Uh, we did a lot of, dude, a lot of self-forgiveness this last two weeks was really good. I enjoyed the class. Uh, you guys know that I am not very religious and a lot of it was like to forgive yourself. You have to give your, your sins. You have to give your mistakes. You have to give your wrongdoings to a higher power Uh, or God. It even said God all the time. And I'm like, well, I don't know if there is a God, right? Uh, for you to tell me that there is, uh, you, you're ignorant. You don't, you're not thinking outside the box. You know what I mean? Because there might be a God. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you there isn't one. If you tell me you believe in God, I don't go, nah, you're dumb because you know how do you even know, blah blah blah. But because if you believe in God and you follow good Christian ways, there's nothing wrong with that. That is a great way uh, of structuring your life to be a good person, to help other people, to to follow the Bible's uh, the good things that the Bible puts out there, the good stories that motivate you, and hopefully you interpret it. In, in good ways and not negative ways that, you know, some other religions do or some people, you know, in, interpret it. In that, at the beginning, I was sitting here like, well, I don't know if I have a higher power. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It's my religion is maybe. And for you to tell me any different, because you don't know either, you know, some 25 year old kid trying to tell me that, you know, God is the, you know, the, the Christianity is the only way and there is only one God it's like, well, how do you know? How much research have you done? What proof do you have? And it just, everybody falls back to, well, I just have faith. Well, if that's your argument, there's no logic behind it. And I try to think open-minded and logical. So not hating on religion, not hating on God, not hating on Christianity or anything. Maybe, you know, and that's where I stand religiously. And I'm not going to keep going on about that because I'll stop. (laughs) I get in arguments, not arguments, but I'll get in, in deep discussions with people about it. And, in this, within this class, it was actually taught by a chaplain. A chaplain is a military, uh, it's a name for a military spiritual person, uh, usually Christian. Uh, and then they'll have their, their your denominations, uh, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, things like that, that they base more on that stuff. And it's good. It is good to be spiritual. So I'm gonna start, I kind of consider myself, I wanna look more into being a spiritual person because you gotta have something, If you don't have something, uh, don't get me wrong, you don't have to have anything and you can still be a good person. You can still do good things, but uh, sometimes you know, with my past mistakes, I look at myself and I think that I'm not a good person and I feel like I've done a lot of bad things and I've done a lot of good things and I need to look at the good things instead of all the negative things and realize that I, I, I am, I am a good person and my, my behaviors do not define who I am. And that's a lot of the, the CPT also that we are also been doing is cognitive processing therapy where we dig in. We don't talk about the trauma. Uh, we don't talk about any specific events because we don't want to trigger other veterans in the group. And if we want to do one-on-one and actually talk more in detail about the traumas, we can. And maybe I sh- there's some stuff that I need to talk about but I don't necessarily plan on doing it this time around. If I find some sort of treatment again or an outpatient thing when I get out of here, uh, I'll get into my continuing maintenance uh, of my treatment after I leave, after, after a little bit here uh, in, in this podcast. Uh, back to self-forgiveness is we wrote these letters and I kinda wanna read mine on here for you guys, but I, I don't know if I should yet. So, I cried a little bit when I read it in class, and everybody had to write a letter of self forgiveness to ourselves. Uh, nothing in detail, very vague, not like being like Dave's the cheater, Dave's this, Dave's that. Like, I didn't get into that stuff too much, you know? We did a uh, peer support uh, history group where we, a group of us, get together and uh, a peer support specialist is a person who's not a certified counselor. They're not a certified anything. He's uh, the guy Joe who did it was amazing. He was a, he's an army veteran, who literally was in in the shit, man. Like the guy was over there when we first invaded Iraq, uh, and I think he was in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he told us this crazy story about. They were all posted out in, in in forward observation bases and a FOB we call them. A FOB, and they are just these tiny little uh, built up bases that we make in in, in strategic uh, strategic areas, you know, to help us fight the war and and to move troops around or whatever reason, supply points. And uh, when I was in Iraq, I was at a whole bunch: FOB Hammer, FOB Loyalty, FOB Carver, FOB Cleary uh where else was i i was i moved around a bunch because i was canine and i was never attached to one company i moved around from company to company and i got to go on missions with all sorts of different uh different troops i was attached to mostly 82nd airborne and those guys were awesome and they were high speed and when shit hit the fan they the training that the army does because they train over and over and over again and i mean so did we in the air force but not to an extent that these guys do they were some high speed motherfuckers, and they were replaced by Tenth Mountain, which I believe is a unit out of uh, somewhere in New York. It was crazy times, but it was interesting times. Back to what I was saying about Fobs. Where was I going with that? Oh, this guy. He said they they pulled they they got relieved like they they did right seat left seat, which is what they call uh, the unit that comes in to replace you. Uh, it's like on-job training. You work with each other for a few weeks or a month maybe even. And the old guys pull out and the new guys take over. And he said they did that and they got pulled back to Balad. It was Balad or Bagram? Bagram, I think. Balad's in Iraq. Bagram's in Afghanistan. Those are the big bases that are built up where aircraft fly in and out. They have you know, more the structure. Um, they're built up, I guess. The the infrastructure, they have more infrastructure built up and stuff than these little fobs. And he got pulled back there it's, they got there and they were like, man, we're back at a big base, uh, getting some good meals in, getting ready to get on a plane, fly back to somewhere in Europe, probably Germany, Ireland, England, uh, and then from there, catch a hop and get back to the United States and hug their wives and family and everybody and be happy that they survived while well, they got back to Bagram and they sent them back out to FOBs because they, and they called it redeploying. Uh, A few other guys, another guy in that class with us, uh, he said that they got to Ireland and they, you know, waiting for their plane to go back to the United States. and, And from there, they sent them back to Afghanistan again to continue fighting. Can you imagine, like, I survived... The eight months I was in Afghanistan, fighting every day, war, being shot at, killing people, ship blowing up, their friends dying and watching it happen. And the next day they have to go out and do it again. It it makes my heart rate go up just thinking about it. Being told that, you know, thinking you made it through it, you survived it and you're going to go home and never have to experience it again and then sent right back to it. Uh, there are stories that some people made it back to the United States, hugged and kissed their wives and were told, hey, in a week, we're going back. Jesus. Uh, the one guy told me that 12 guys in his unit killed themselves before they left the United States to go back. 12 suicides in one small unit because they were told they had to go back. And and in, in my mind, I I'm like, I would I almost would think about it. You know, in a way, it's like, I'd rather be dead than go back to hell. Fighting a war, you know what I mean? Like, people who've never ex- experienced it, I don't, I don't, it's like, how do you even explain it to them that it's, it's pure hell? You know, and the movies, uh, we watch a lot of movies with war and death and killing, uh, even action movies that don't have to do with war. Like, we're so numb to, to people dying and I I know it's like defense mechanisms, which I was going to get into and I'm just mixing it all up, you know, that's what I do. It's one of the defense mechanisms that people use when a loved one dies, right? Or sub, a bad, a crazy catastrophe happens, somebody close to you dies suddenly and it's your way of dealing with it and coping with it. And it's just, we've been sort of numb to it, so... The shit in the movies, man, it's not the same. Combat is loud. It's uncomfortable. The entire time, how do you, you have to, you have to, you're thinking, what if I, I'm going to eat one right now and the lights are going to go out and, you know, and, and it's the, you have the craziest thoughts. You're like, man, I hope I take it right to the dome and the lights go out and I don't have to even think about it. I don't have to sit here and bleed out. When is one of, my, one, of, one of my battle buddies gonna go down and I gotta try to drag them out and, or, or I gotta just watch them die or just know that they ate it to the dome and there's nothing I can do to save them. And I've been over here fighting with them every day for months, a year, and it, I'm getting deep. I'm getting crazy about it. Whew. It's 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 crazy. So, so all I'm getting at is it's just, I just didn't even think about it that way. You know, I went on my deployments and I got relieved. I came home and didn't have to go back uh, for years later, months later. You know, because they have a deployment tempo. Uh, the Air Force's deployment tempo is way way shorter, way smaller than than the Marines with the army, you know, all those army guys, that's what they train. That's what the Marines army, that's they're trained for combat. They're waiting for combat. That's what they do. When they're back stateside, they're not searching vehicles, doing law enforcement, doing security, training dogs. Some of them are, they're dog handlers for sure, training dogs and working with dogs. But in a combat scenarios, uh, shooting all the time, they train to go fight and kill people. And it, it, it's, It's something that I almost can't even... I can't even... You know, I can't even totally relate with. Yeah, I've been over there. I don't try to compare because that is a huge problem. A lot of guys compare. Uh, People come here and they didn't see combat. They didn't go to... they didn't go to Afghanistan or Iraq and they weren't in this shit. But they did deploy from their families. They joined the military and reprogrammed, and they're struggling now to, to be part of in, in a, a part of a civilian society that they feel doesn't understand them, that doesn't that doesn't accept them. And it's hard for people. So comparing is a big problem. You know what I mean? Because I could find some guy. There is a guy. Joe, the guy from the peer support group, back to that. I could look at his issues and his problems and be like, "Uh, I don't have, I don't want to even say anything because after he got out of the military, he was drinking himself to death. I've never had uh, alcohol problems like he had. You know, I never, I wasn't in the shit. I didn't get redeployed again right after I got home from a deployment. You know, I didn't, you know, I can sit there and be like, I have no reason to have problems because it doesn't fix my problems. And then also we did a recovery act plan that's taught by the other peer support guy, peer support guy here, uh, Haven, who back, he always tells us every time, and he runs our smart recovery meetings and I'll get into smart recovery here in a minute. Uh, he runs the smart recovery meetings. He tells us every time. Back in 1998, he was put in a mental institution and was told that he will never be a functioning person in society. Obviously, now he's a peer support specialist, working a great job here for the VA, doing great things. The man loves veterans so much, but he is so weird and just so just interesting. <laughs> when I first met him, he rubbed- I he didn't rub me, he rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And I was like, who is this guy and what is his deal? And he told us how like eight for eight years. Uh, on average, six times a year, he was put in mental institutions or locked up. And he loved everything. He always says, freeze dried or liquefied as long as it hits the pleasure sp- the pleasure zone is his favorite saying. And at the end of this Recovery Act plan, he went around to everybody individually, stared us in the eyes and said, I'm probably not, I don't know what he even, I don't know how if I remember it correctly, but he says, you are a wonderful and amazing person and don't let anybody, no matter how low or how high you get, take that away from you. And he says it a little different, but it man, does it hit home and it, it, I tear up. And it, it it means a lot, you know, to be here, to build each other up, to, to be around other people who have experienced similar things and understand you and you can just sit there and not, you don't feel alone anymore. You know, a lot of people in my support group, have no no idea where and what I've done. And they don't know, when I start talking about uh, being suicidal, I start talking about PTSD, mental illness, Uh, some people get, they don't, they get weird, they say the wrong things, they say things that I think are wrong, or I don't, I'm like, why would you say that? Because they wanna help. Like you make people feel kinda helpless and it, it, it's a tough spot to put people in. And they just want to help you, and you and you feel like it's not helping, and also making you feel hopeless. And, whew, Dave, I got deep deep in this podcast. Uh, speaking of that maintenance, smart recovery. After I leave here, I met with a I met a via teleconference with a social worker in Fargo. My social worker here, Alan, sat down with us, and 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 we talked to her uh, about. After I leave here, what are some things I can do to continue uh, recovering from my my ptSD my mental illness, my addictive uh risky behaviors and the first thing was I need to get out of that trailer, my trailer that I say I love, and I you know I treasure because it is mine, and even if i 'm not living there after I leave here, it still is mine i can go be I can go there. And hang out, maybe, if I need to get away, I can go there and and fix up some stuff there and and maybe try to sell it in the end or or uh, just try to make maybe somebody else who needs a home who who needs who needs a place to stay can go there and, and stay there for a while, or I just give it to them and pass on what somebody did for me, uh, pay it forward in a way. But that place is pretty rough, and it needs some work. So hopefully, whoever takes it on or I move it onto or something can, can, can fix it up. Or maybe they just need to get rid of the goddamn thing and move a new trailer or you use, another used trailer that's more inhabitable in, you know what I'm saying? With that being said, I'm going to go live with Robin again. Uh, things with me and her have been, have been really good. Uh, she has never uh, turned her back on me. She has been there uh, since the day I left since the day I went into crisis mode and I did it on the podcast you guys remember those episodes where it was like hello darkness my old friend and that was me using a coping mechanism of running that's what I've been doing every relationship when it starts to get when it starts to get crazy and things don't start going my way I run I leave i it's fight or flight and I start to fight and then I just I just get scared and I run and I've been doing that and that is a terrible, terrible cycle to be in and that is something I did last week. I wanted to pack my bags here and just go somewhere, go stay at my brother Richie's, uh, have Robin come get me which she wouldn't even have done because she supports me so much in what I'm doing that she's like, no, you keep your ass there and you finish the treatment, you got two weeks left, just shut up and quit quit being the old Dave be the new Dave, be super Dave, be the hero that everybody knows you can be, be the hero that you used to be, you know? So I'm going to do that. I'm going to finish up my, my, my treatment, my recovery here. And afterwards I'm going to go back and be with Robin. Uh, her house way better and I'm not surrounded by people in the trailer park that need help. You know, Those are the type of people that live in the trailer park that I lived in are people who are struggling, not all of them, and they're not bad people in any way, but a lot of it's low income people, people who need a place real quick and the, you know, and they're struggling also and I wanna help everybody. Uh, I had a neck brace on after surgery and was climbing, neath, uh, climbing under trailers, fixing heat tape and thawing them out, so a family, a, a single mom with children, could could have hot water, could have any water, could have heat. And if nobody else is around to help those people, I want to. I I, it, it's, I can't sit there and let somebody struggle when it's something I can help and help fix, you know. But is that good for me? Do I need to be climbing underneath trailers with a fucking neck brace on? No, I'm just gonna hurt myself, even more. So it's time to become a little selfish, and. Out of the situation that that could end up getting me in trouble, you know, physically healthy, mentally, all that stuff. It, it could be damaging to me. So, uh, what I do with my little trailer is still up in the air. But we're going. T- I'm gonna go back to Robbins, and I'm gonna be there, surrounded by my kitties, uh, my dog, uh, and people who love and support me. And I can't. I sh- I am blessed to have that. Um, I'm blessed to have my sister and my amazing brother-in-law step in to try to help me get back on my feet. And so blessed because I talk about it here and people get jealous, they're just like, you're so lucky to have that. And I am, I am so lucky, so blessed to have that. Also, I am going to see uh, addiction therapist um, when I get home, uh, that'll be teleconference out of Fargo from Grand Forks, uh, about like uh, I have the craziest addictive personality. Uh, I feel like I kind of always had it, but I haven't necessarily, I guess. I think it has a lot to do with my PTSD and a lot of my traumas, uh, during the military and after, it's not always drugs and alcohol, you know, it's a phone. You can be addicted to your phone, games on your phone, games on consoles and PC, sex, porn, uh, unhealthy relationships. You can have an addiction to anything, you know, and it can be, when it becomes unhealthy, when it becomes uh, an urge, when it turns into a, an urge, right? Or you can want something, uh, and not necessarily do it or have it, but when you when your life becomes interrupted because you have to have it, or you feel like you can't function without waking up and having a drink, without smoking weed, without smoking meth or taking pills, or having to go look at porn. Like you're you know what I mean? Like you're losing, you're losing valuable time you could be spending with your loved ones, putting into yourself putting into your supporters. You are hurting your your healthy relationships by starting negative relationships. And that stuff it it you gotta stop and you gotta think about it. You gotta understand, okay, these behaviors that are becoming damaging, what are the emotions? What are the feelings? Where did that start? What trauma causes that? And you gotta dig into it and under once you understand that and that urge comes up. you Before you go and run to the bathroom to pull up porno and beat one out, you can understand like, oh man, that's why I wanna do that. And, that, and it's damaging to me to go do that. Uh, you might not think it's damaging. You know, masturbation I've talked about on here before. It's a natural thing and everybody does it. But when does it become unhealthy? When does it become an interruption You know, in, in your physical life in your mental life. Uh, and I'm just using that as an example. Obviously, drugs and alcohol become way more damaging. And a lot of the little things that you don't think are damaging might become that damaging. And uh, I've learned so much. It's like the self-realization in treatment has just been insane for me. Whew. A part of me being down last week was the pressures of leaving here and going back to life and having those obstacles waiting for me. And being afraid that I'm just going to jump back into them and turn into the, be the old Dave before I came here. And I don't ever want to be that guy ever again. And just by saying that doesn't mean that it can't happen. Uh, I got to understand my triggers. I got to understand how my mind plays tricks on me, how it wants me to feel when I need to feel another way, how I want to self-hate. I want to beat myself up because it's easier than lifting yourself up in a way. Because I don't, in a way, it feels selfish to sit around and, and, and be like, I'm amazing, I'm great because it's just that's weird and it's hard to do sometimes for people, but you got to sit back and we can all find a mistake that we made. Every day we make a mistake, but that doesn't define who we are. All right, off my soapbox on that shit. Oh, uh, getting into that. I'm almost done with my second book here and I'm very proud of becoming a reader. I haven't been able to read cause my crazy anxiety filled mind who has a million thoughts every day. Uh, you know, and can't, it's hard to read. I start reading and those thoughts start to cycle. And then you're like, I just read two pages and fuck. I don't remember any of it. Cause I was thinking about ice cream. I was thinking about The fucking guy who annoyed me in the meeting this morning. I was thinking about all the veterans programs and and, and stuff that I'd love to start and run, how to help people, how to do martial arts, how somebody at the gym pissed you off a long time ago and you're holding some weird grudge. You can't, 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 can't do that. You can't sit and just, you got to think about the positive stuff because that negative shit, the mistakes, we're all going to have them and it's in the past and it 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 affect, you know it's going to it affects who you you feel like you are and your self image and you can't you can't let that happen uh, and I know easier said than done uh, not thinking about it forgiving yourself like you might have done something so detrimental to other people or you might have physically hurt somebody and you don't feel like you ever deserve forgiveness but if you hang on to it you're just gonna you're just gonna self destruct. You're going to dive into unhealthy relationships, addictions, uh, risky behavior, uh, run from the problem instead of actually facing it head on and fixing it. So much, you guys. I've gone on for 35 minutes now and I'm just going to wrap it up with last weekend, we went to uh, my brother's. Robin came and picked me up. We went to my brother Richie's uh, hung out with him and his girlfriend Tiana huge shout out to them. I love them uh, We just we went to a mall. We went and got some stuff to eat uh, We just hung out at his apartment played PlayStation some video games, which I haven't played since I've been here Which was cool to get back on apex and play It was cool to just hang out and talk uh, Had some caffeine energy drinks. I had a half of coffee today so I haven't had energy drinks or coffee during the week since I've been here. So all week I sit and watch these people here chugging coffee, drinking caffeine, energy drinks full of crap you don't need in your body. And it's like they chug a few a day. They drink coffee all day. And yeah, it gives you that little boost of energy. But you guys, if you only drink caffeine when you need it, when you know, you don't, you get it out of your system and you realize you don't need that for energy, put healthy how healthy gasoline into the gas tank of your body. And you don't need all that stuff. But if you have a long day and you need to take a long drive or you have something that you need a little extra boost to do something. If you don't drink and chug caffeine all day, when you finally have that little half a cup, like I had today with some honey in it, boom, man, I want to fucking run through a wall. I want to get out and do something. Or I want to like, Use that energy for good, for the podcast, for the drive I got to make when I'm tired. It'll help you so much more. I'm just preaching to cut back on your caffeine if you're one of these people that drink coffee all day long. And you, I know people that are like, oh, drink a cup of coffee and then go to bed. Well, if I drink a cup of coffee before bed, I am not sleeping for at least three fucking hours. And sleep is important to me. It should be important to you. So back to Richie and Tiana. Huge shout out. We watched the UFC fights, the one with John Jones and Dominic Reyes, who put on a spectacular show. And I don't want to get into who should have, could have, would have won the fight. In my mind, when it ended, I thought Dominic Reyes might have had it. But I am not a casual MMA fan. And I know those last two rounds and the championship fight, uh, they seem to, whether you believe it or not, whether you think they should weigh more on the judges than the than the all-arounds, like all five rounds should mean exactly the same thing. And maybe you're right. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. And Dominic Reyes started to fade in rounds four and five. I thought he looked I thought he landed the bigger, better shots in one through three. But uh, you can also look at it like John Jones was moving forward and pushing the pace. But Dominic Reyes throwing moving backwards and countering Uh, was amazing, and his power is amazing. John Jones eating that power was amazing. The whole fucking fight was amazing. It was a good card, and I don't know if there's going to be a rematch. I hope there is. Uh, John Jones is good about not giving rematches sometimes. He might be moving up to heavyweight. There's a lot going on, and uh, Dominic Reyes does not have anything to hold his head about. He did a great job against a, a guy that usually destroys most people they put in front of him, so... That's my my MMA minute. I was gonna get into politics and stuff. Uh, Bernie Sanders, who is I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna back Bernie Sanders. And I don't give a shit if you think he's a socialist, communist, think he's gonna take all our money and, and give it to the poor people so they don't have to work. I just think Bernie is the only candidate. Who wants to show us where the money goes? He wants. He's the only one that doesn't seem to divide people. He he marched with Martin Luther King back in the '60s, for God's sake. He uh, was on Rogan's podcast, and I'm a Rogan dick writer till the bitter end. And they got to sit down and have a normal conversation instead of having little thirty second sound bites you see him, him having on the internet exploding about something this and that, and. I'm just, I'm backing Bernie, man. And I also think he's the only one that can beat Trump. None of those other Democratic punks have a chance to beat Trump. And I don't know if Bernie even has it. Trump has got a ball rolling and people seem to really love Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump has America's best mind and interest. I think he has the riches, the rich people's best mind in in, in his interests because it makes him more money. And that's kind of how he's always been. Uh, if America's making more money, then everybody else is winning, right? That's how we feel. But I just see the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and American cities falling apart while we're putting money into infrastructure and, and shit into other countries, which I am a freaking idiot and I know nothing really about politics, but I'm just giving you guys my mind, my, my, you know my, my, uh, my two cents on it. And that's all it is. It is two cents and take it or leave it for whatever you guys want. But hey, That was episode 78. Thank you guys for listening, for real. I can never, ever thank you guys enough. I think I'm at 8,500 listens, which is fucking amazing to me. So uh, hit me up, you guys, if you guys want me to talk about something on the podcast. If there's a good book you guys wanna recommend me, recommend to me, uh, let me know. And I'll try to read it and talk about it on here. Anything. You want me to watch a video about politics that might change my mind about how I feel about Bernie, man. Whatever, dude. Please uh, let me know. I'm also going to, one of my huge goals after I leave here is to put more into this podcast. Have more guests on. Have a person that knows some politics and have them talk about it and educate me, educate you guys. Have some of my martial art friends on the MMA Minute and sit and talk fights, man. Uh, I wanna promote people who are out in the community doing good things. I wanna promote people who have a good message. And I don't always know those people. I need you guys to help me out. So, Dave's Podcast One at gmail.com. Dave's Podcast One at gmail.com. Hit me up. Uh, Funny Welder on Instagram. Uh, there's I'm still on Facebook. I guess it didn't deactivate but I don't really go on there much and use it. I went on there this week to get some pictures for my peer support group. We did a, a cool four-sided mirror thing that talked about bef- uh, before I was in the military, during my military service, after, and then what I hope for for the future. And I used pictures to depict all that. And it's a really cool thing that we did because it reminded me that I did some cool shit in the Air Force and I need to talk about it. I need to be proud of it because I lost my pride. I lost that. After I got out of the military, I, I had a really negative connotation towards the military. And man, I can't thank the Air Force enough for for the people I got to meet, for the places I got to see, for the leadership skills, the the, the attention to detail. I would like to say integrity, even though I make a lot of mistakes, I you know as a person. But man, I got to be thankful for that and be blessed, blessed every day. So. Thank you guys for listening. Hit me up anytime. You wanna be on the podcast? You know somebody who should be on my podcast? uh, Let me know. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week.